I'm Patrice Siobhan Brown uh, from North Carolina. I am the CEO of Restoring Bodies and Minds, which is a mental health facility that helps adults um, that have severe, persistent mental illness. The city of New York, Boricua from the Bronx. Uh, we've been established since 2011. I've worked as a mental health counselor since 2003. I've written seven books, um, two children's books and uh, two fiction. And I believe it's two nonfiction. I wanted to sort of kind of try each genre. I haven't did the whole horror thing yet, but that's on my list. And I'm a single mother of two. I have a daughter and a son, uh, 13 and nine. And basically, that's me in a nutshell. What's the horror going to be about? I don't know. You know, I'm a big Stephen King fan, so I don't know. It's definitely like sci-fi horror, supernatural type of scary stuff going on. Whatever comes to my mind, but I'm a big Stephen King fan, and I have not written a horror book yet. That's on the list, though. All right. Maybe you could weave it into the whole mental health thing. You know, yeah, yeah, that would you know, be good. Give right. me ideas. <laughs> you go. We're we're gonna we're gonna write this book, right? <laughs> you know, well, if you think about right, it, right, right, a lot. You, I mean, you could make it kind of crazy and sci-fi, but you can also still address the elements of the real things that go on in mental health, where people don't know right. certain things. You can make it work. Okay, give me some time. Give me some time. Maybe put me in the movie. Okay. I was recently in a horror film and I got the top of my head cut off. So I was, I mean, even if I'm just going to get eaten by somebody, I'm cool with that. You know? Okay. I was a hit man, right? So I went in there to, to basically, you know, shoot these guys and um, my gun jammed. And one of the psychos in the theater came out with a, a chainsaw and basically cut the top of my head off. Pretty fun stuff. Oh, wow. <laughs> okay. It was cool to experience that though, right? Yeah, yeah, it was, it was, cool. it, was it was fun. It, it was a, you know, when, when it was happening, he was like, okay, I need you to go like this. Just go like this. And I'm like, I don't think that's the reaction somebody who gets the top of their head cut off would do. They would kind of just drop or would think, right? That was, right. Who told you that the director, the director wanted yeah. me to do that? Oh, my God. He's like, so okay, Angel, we're just going to do stand like this. And when the guy, you know, he's going to go like this, you just go. <laughs> and he kept uh, me doing it over and over and over. That was so funny because it was just the, the nonsense of going like, this. you know, it was pretty silly, you know. But I mean, if you look at even like these big films like the Avengers and you watch them before they're actually cut and everything, it looks silly too. When I watch, you know, the other ones and you see them and they're doing the same thing, they're like, okay, run. And, like, and it looks silly. Without the music and without the effects, so I was like, you know what? Next time I'll be more committed. <laughs> I, think that's, I think that's a good experience to experience. I haven't gotten my feet wet with the whole film and um everything yet, but I do have like a reality type of show that I'm getting ready to um, start doing based on my book, Secrets of a Crazy Mental Health Counselor. So I think that's gonna be my first time on film for me, but that would be a great experience to. Try something new. You know, I've written the books and I'm doing like the counseling thing. So my next thing is to get on film. And that's what I'm going to do this year. Tell me about, about the book. This is my very first book, 
It's called Secrets of a Crazy Mental Health Counselor. And um, I had wrote that one pretty much in 2017. It's pretty much about me, my personal development versus my professional development and just my reality. I just pretty much wrote it to let people know just because you counsel other people, you're not perfect. You go through your own struggles just as well. So it was sort of kind of like a self-help, um, inspirational book, just opening myself up to the world. Well, that's very cool. Yeah, I, I think that people may be under the, the impression that someone who works in mental health has all the answers. And, you know, I mean, I don't work in the space, right? I dated, when I was in the Air Force, I had a girlfriend who was a mental health, uh, uh, mental health tech, we call them, because all, all our jobs were techs some sort of tech. Oh, she was a mental health tech and she, you know, not for nothing. She was jacked up as everybody else. You know what I mean? We're all, you know, <laughs> she was just as jacked up as, you know. Right, right. But they said that those are the best helping people, the best counselors, people that have been through things. I mean, because if you haven't experienced anything, how are you going to help or teach somebody else or lead them if you haven't experienced for yourself? That's how I always think about it. And I just, you know, want to be open. That's how a lot of me and my um, members, we connect with each other based on that. You know, I feel like it's important for you to have experienced something in your life and share that story with other people um, so that they can either feel inspired, make some changes or, you know. Relatability, right? I mean. Right, right. You know what? You, you know what's up. You know what I, you know, you know what's happened. You know what we've been through and stuff. So, yeah, I. I actually, I had my childhood therapist on here. He came on here. So, so when I was a kid, you know, yeah, I grew up in the South Bronx and, um, it's rough, you know, it was a very rough, um, upbringing and I experienced a lot of violence, a lot of gang violence, and it messes you up. You know, it, it makes, it makes, it creates a lot of trauma, you know? So I had a lot of training. I was using a, I, this, I, I put a tweet out earlier, um, referencing, um, the cop who mixed up the gun with the taser, right? Ah. So, well, I didn't even want to get into that. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. and somebody said, "Hey, man, unless you've ever been shot at and you've ever been in the in in their shoes, you know." And I said, "Hey, man, I mm. wouldn't. I would never be a cop. You know why I would never be a cop? Because I know that I'm a fearful person. I right. have a lot of trauma from the street, right? Right. So it makes me." an anxious individual. Now, if I see a group of five guys walking towards me, white, black, Latino, I get nervous because where I come from, that usually meant I was about to get jumped. Right. You put me in a uniform and you give me a gun. I'm probably a dangerous person. Right. Because I'm already automatically thinking those guys are going to jump me and, and I got a gun now. And I got, I'm a law officer, you know, so that makes you a dangerous and now knowing that I'm not a cop. Right. So that's why I told the guy, if more people knew themselves, it could be safer for everybody. I know that I am a nervous person. I'm anxious in the street because it, I was using a, a, a human shield in a shootout once somebody came, grabbed me, right. pointed a gun and started shooting at another car, which then produced their own gun and aimed it. And I guess they, I saw the fear of God in my eyes. I don't know. They didn't shoot and they drove off. But that, and kinda, yeah, you know, it's a person, you know, 
I don't know. Call me crazy, but you're still that person. With that trauma, you're, you're not still dealing with that experience and anxiety currently. Sure. They're just my, you know. Yeah. I mean, I just told you they put a they put a scaffolding in my in my thing, and I'm thinking somebody's gonna break in and murderers. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> you know, yeah. No, these things stay with right. you. You know, and that's just an example of what I experienced. So, but my my whole point of that is that I know. I would not be a good cop because I'm too nervous. I'm, I have a lot of, um, like, I guess we'll use the word trauma. I, you know, I don't know if that's the right word. I have a lot of experiences that make yeah. me a person that should probably not be out there policing people. And I know it. And I've encountered cops right. who, who probably shouldn't, you know, and I don't bash the police. I'm not one of those individuals, oh, you know, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I wonder how much psychological tests are they getting, you know, before they actually become police officers. I wonder how much testing are they getting, not just physical, but mental, um, psychological testing are these police required to get and undergo when they're doing um, the officer training. And each year, I wonder what's required, because if they're making these mistakes, you know, I'm getting a taser confused with a real gun, you know, something may not be right. And I wonder what are their requirements to still be a police officer? What are their training requirements? You know, so that's I think that a lot of it boils down to. Yeah, it boils down to training. And you also have to address the trauma. If you're an officer, you're under a lot of stress. It's a tough job. There's no, there's no question about it. I've I've been in the military, I've worn that uniform. I've been uh security in civilian sector, I've worn that uniform. There's a lot of pressure that comes with simply wearing a uniform. Now, wearing a police officer uniform, I'm sure it's a tough, you know, so I am not, you know, like I said, I don't bash the police, but you have to address the ones who do things that are wrong. You have to. And, and um, every time I, I, I mention this, I, I get attacked. You don't know, you don't know, you don't know what it's like to be shot at. Yeah, I kind of do. <laughs> I kind of do know what it's like right. to be shot at. Right. You know, I know what it's like to get stomped out or, you know, like I know all these things. I've experienced it. Therefore, I am not an officer. <laughs> you know? Um, but you still can speak on it because you've experienced some things. You know, I think you were right for speaking out about it. Um, I think a lot of us should continue to speak out about it until change comes. I don't think it's going to get any better unless, you know, <laughs> more, uh, well, better police officer training takes place, that psychological testing. and Mental um, health is very important. Just that. A lot of things need to be reevaluated. Yeah. Maybe, <laughs> maybe you were a shootings and the police officer. Maybe you were a nerd, right? So like you were a nerd and you were picked on your whole life. All of a sudden they give you a badge and a gun. Now you got an ego trip. What you mean you're not going to come out the car? Boom. Because you're, you know, you have that nerd trauma. You know, like, all these things have to be addressed. And that's usually what it comes down to. If you watch the, um, most of these clips where there's abuse and stuff, it's all about, uh, ego, ego. I told you to do something. You don't want to do it. Now watch what's going to happen. You know, um, that's a big problem too. That, you know, it's, it's, I mean, I don't want to make our entire conversation about this stuff, but you know, it was just addressing that point about knowing, you know, uh, that if you if you're a scared individual, you know that I, I don't know if you heard the story of a Kai Gurley here in New York City who was shot in the in a project because the cop got startled. He got startled, squeezed, 
bullet came, killed the guy, killed him in the chest. Young guy, father of, of a daughter and everything. It's messed up. You know, it was, it was uh, the Asian dude. The Asian dude. I forget his name right now. The cop was a, the, the Asian guy. And, and he was, he had his finger on the trigger. He was nervous. And he, you know, just, I know that your finger's supposed to be like this, not on the trigger. Right. Even, and, now, and I'm a civilian, you know, so. All the stories, all the stories just sound the same. Whatever happened to the police officers um, that patrol that particular neighborhood, getting to know the community, whatever happens to that, you know, I think a lot of those situations and the incidents might decrease if uh, the officers became, you know, community policing, you know, more relatable in the community. It was just. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's, I don't know if you ever heard of officer Norman in Arkansas. He's, he's a, uh, you know, a officer that knows everybody in his community. He knows everyone. He helps the community, okay. you know, amazing guy. And, and that, that's how it should be. I, I don't recall ever knowing any police officers growing up. Not where I come from. You know, I never knew any of them. None right. of them were, you know, yeah, every, I always encountered different police officers. And mind you, I look how I look, right? So they're not messing with me as much as they were messing with some of my friends. And, and because of how I look, I, I don't have the same level of aggression. And, you know, so I recognize that, you know what I mean? And, and I, I also use that as a tool to express it. Hey, you know, I got caught one time in a gang fight. I didn't get arrested. I got a ticket and they let me go. Right. Meanwhile, my friends got in a little bit more trouble. What was the difference? You know, how we look. And, and I, 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 I call it, I, you know, you, you know, and, uh, you know, people can mad at me and stuff. It's like, you know, what, what are you saying? You're anti this and that. I was like, no, dude, I'm stating the reality of what I saw. Right. I was right. experiencing the same thing, this major gang fight with, I'm not going to mention any names of the, uh, uh, organizations we'll call them, but, um, I got a ticket. I got a ticket for, I think, $120 and then sent on my way, you know, and my friends, a couple of them individuals got caught in separate, you know, we all kind of scattered and they got arrested, you know? Um, so there's the, there's a, um, reality of it. So you, you, um, one, one of the things I saw you, your email was about, um, your, your, talking kind of like about accepting yourself, right? Kind of accepting yourself as you are. Um, can you talk about that? Like how, how that really works in reality, you know? Um, okay. And so talking about a fat girl's confidence, the book, um, pretty much self-love. That's what, what I was talking about. Um, when I wrote that book, just loving who you are. And if you want to make some changes about yourself, do it, but don't do it because somebody else has told you to do it. You know, um, we all have that phase in our life when we're going to look in the mirror and we might not like what we see. And it's up to us to feel defeated or if we're going to move forward and make some changes, then do it. And um, the reason why I chose to speak on that topic is because I've struggled with weight my whole entire life. So, uh, I felt like it was important because when we look at the TV or when we're on social media, we see so many different 
um, women that are smaller, that are slender. And a lot of times we might put in the back of our minds, in the back of our minds, like we might be beautiful if we were small, if we did this, if we did that. And we start to add self-doubt to who we are. So I said, you know what, I'm going to write something uh, just to encourage women and motivate women to love who they are. And if they want to lose weight, do it. But don't do it because you're feeling some type of way or because somebody called you fat. That was the whole purpose of Affect Girls Confidence. How does that work in real life? So, like, I use myself as an example. I'm, I don't like what I see in the mirror, right? Period. I just don't. I like myself when I'm nice and lean and I got my six pack out and it's very difficult to maintain, right? So I've lived my life in this constant struggle of, you know, I have to get myself there. This is, this has been my entire existence, right? In the process of everything that I've lived, it's always been, I have to get there, you know? Um, and I've never when people tell me, you know, love yourself or, you know, you, you know, yourself as you are, but I hear it. I I'm like, cool. It sounds great. But, and then I, you know, I, I won't challenge people on it or whatever. I don't, you know, it's not real to me, you know? Um, so that's, does that make sense? Like, like, so you well, always sound like a negative, you always see yourself as being negative. You always sound like a negative, um, physical concept of yourself. Always. When it, when it comes to, well, when I'm, when I'm fatter, I'm not happy with that. You know, I mean, I don't like it and I don't feel confident. Okay. I feel disgusted. Like it's freaking disgusting to me. Right. So, um, it's not to say, um, that I don't, that I don't like myself or that I don't think I'm successful. Like I've done things I'm talking about just in that area, you know, my confidence has always been attached to my physique, you know? Um, right. So it's going to be a little bit different for you. Um, people, people like you that think you have to be this small or this, um, this type of way, it's going to be harder for to read my book and be like, okay, love me. No, I'm going to love me once I get to this level once I lose this weight yeah that's always going to be in the back of your mind I think the only way that you're going to change it if you just look in the mirror and start to love who you are no matter what your size is like I think it's easier for me because I've always struggled with weight so it's more accepting for me to be like okay well I weigh this much that's okay I, I'm still going to pull and I'm still going to attract the opposite sex or people still going to like me regardless I think it was easier for me to accept that because I really didn't have any issues with you know, finding somebody to that's going to be attractive to me. Like I was attractive with the weight on or with the weight off. And I think if you thought oh, about yourself that, like that. I feel that too, though. So like, the, and, I, and I acknowledge it, right? So I, I mean, I'm married now, but before I was married, I, I would say, uh, well, I can get girls fat or skinny. So what's my issue? Right. You know, like right. I, even if I'm fat, I'm still, you know, like you're saying, you know, attracting, attracting Oh shit! I was attracting both sexes, all, all genders. <laughs> you know, so it's not like, you know, like I know I can get mine. You know what I mean? Like, like you know, like a, that's not a. Even when I was fat, I was still pulling, you know, some, you know, fly girls. You know what I'm saying? So when it wasn't, you know, it wasn't even that. Now, it may have felt easier when I wasn't fat, but 
you know, I've spent more time fat than I spent ripped. And I had clearly more successes as a fat guy because I've been more time as a fat guy. But it's more of a self thing, you know? Oh. Um, yeah, it's more of a me not liking it and, and it affects my, but I mean, nah, if I saw someone who I thought was attracted, I still, I, I still, you know, I shifted into that, you know, I'm going for, my, <laughs> you know, whatever. I, hey, listen, what's the word she's going to do? She's going to say no. Right. Yeah. yeah. That's I'm the word. You know, Um, I think you're battling with you since you're battling with you, you're going to have to fix that on your own. And I think like one of the first steps is looking in that mirror and starting to change how you're thinking about yourself, you know, start giving yourself some positive self-talk, you know, in that mirror and with your clothes off, you're going to have to accept what you like. And if it's still not accepting, you probably might need to get some counseling. It could be something from childhood um, that's torturing you, that's playing over and over in your mind. It could be something that somebody has said to you, um, regardless if you hate what you see in the mirror. Get in that mirror and practice and start speaking life into you, regardless of if you don't like your size or you hate something about yourself. I think um, positive self-talk is something that helps people a lot. Even when you've been rejected or picked on or bullied, I think once you start to practice and tell yourself you are enough, you're beautiful, you're this, you, you know, the, the daily affirmations, the daily affirmations for me seem to work. On a mental level, I start to feel better about myself, even if I haven't lost any weight. I start to believe in my mind, like I'm feeling better this day. I'm looking better this day, and it's only because I told myself that. Nobody had to tell me. It's just me talking to myself, encouraging me. So, could be a little bit of of that mental um, blockage that needs to be turned around into a positive. That's for me. I think well, self-talk, I think matters. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. My self-talk is very negative. I it's, it's usually negative and it's abusive. So, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm more of that, uh, you know, uh, why well, I, I almost become like my drill instructor was to me when I'm self-talk it's, it's like, I'm almost my own drill instructor in my head. So if I'm, if I'm running and I'm getting tired, right. Um, I don't say, okay, Angel, come on a little further. You got this. I, I'm saying, you know, I'm saying, I'm saying more like you fat, push, push, you fat, push, push, quit, you don't quit, you, you know, and that's the self-talk that I'm giving myself when I'm, I'm doing the miles, you know, like, you know what, I'm forgetting that you're from New York, I'm forgetting that it's the Bronx, you know, aggressive. <laughs> So yeah, you uh, you gonna have to work on that. Have to work on that. Yeah, yeah. There's no gentle, you know, like Angel. You're so great. You got this. Just one more mile. It's more like you. You want to stay fat? You 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 disgusting pizza. You know, and then that's you know that's a, I'm running. You know, pushing yourself down. You know, like like yeah. That's kind of how I, you know, and it it gets me there. You know. Um, <laughs> you do the opposite. You put a term to do the opposite. You're telling yourself, like, I'm not going to be this fat fuck. I'm not going to be this or that. So I'm going to push. I'm going to prove to myself that I'm going to be better. So I get that too. That's a psychological uh, technique as well. But on the flip side of things, start making yourself feel loved. It's okay to be calm. I think a lot of us need that. I think we know when to turn on uh, certain personalities of ourselves. That's how I'm going to 
name it. You know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I got, I got this. That's what I do in class too, but I'm a little nicer with them. You know, when I, you know, when I teach, I, I, I kind of become like a mini drill instructor, but I'm gentler with them than I am with myself, you know? And then, you know, I become a drill instructor when I'm teaching my daughter at home now, because it's like, she doesn't get it. And I lose patience and I'm on a time schedule and she's still sitting there. So yeah, I become the drill instructor because I want her to say in her mind, I could do this, but instead she still sits there as if I'm not talking to her something else really short comes out of me. So I have to admit that, yeah, I'm not going to be calm and nice. Okay, let's do it this way. And no, what, time is ticking. We have things to do. Let's go. You know, one I plus one. Different. Three. Yes. One plus one. Three. Yeah. <laughs> Get on your face. Get on your face. Do, do two push-ups. One plus one. Do two push-ups. Now I'm going to have to put that inside there now. Two push-ups because you missed the answer. Yeah, break the push-ups. I'm going to include that now. Make yeah. the answer the number of push-ups. Right, right. <laughs> Sorry when you get into multiplication and factorials. <laughs> on, that is what we're on. Three-digit subtraction. She's in the third grade, and, you know, it's kind of hard being at home. Um you guys not 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 in school yet you're still doing uh remote learning we could do remote learning um, they're just opening us back up in north carolina um but for me i still didn't send my kids to school none of us had covid inside the house i felt like by me sending my kids to school i felt like they were going to be the, the first guinea pigs so i just wanted the other guinea pigs to get out first. <laughs> let me see the statistics on the children going back to school because I haven't seen any yet. You know, the number of sick children, the COVID. Um, have you guys done the vaccines yet or not yet? They have the vaccines going on, but still, they. I want to see the numbers. Yeah, Where I feel the you. From these children returning back to school. Where are they? My children aren't going to be the first guinea pigs. You know, I'm going to let the other kids be guinea pigs first. <laughs> and then I think about it. I think about it, you know. Yeah, so. you're right. I haven't gotten it yet. I'm I'm scheduled for the end of this month um, to get it. Um, but I waited a while and I actually wanted the Johnson and Johnson one, but now I'm seeing the news with that. I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to stick with these other uh, more, more uh, seemingly, seemingly trusted ones, you know, uh, that seem a little safer, but who knows? We'll see if in a year everybody becomes a zombie. Mm-hmm. No, then we know. Right, right. You know, you just don't know. It's too soon. Yeah. Um, I'm just going to wait around. That's what I said. I, if my children go back to school, it'll probably be August when the new school year starts. It won't be this school year. Pretty much. It's, it's summertime now. Summertime is getting ready for the enter, you know, so it would be no need for to send them back to school this time. School yeah. ends soon. Um, school yeah, over, so, right? uh, should end the end of May, um, the first week in June for us, and then the summer until August. Yeah, grind it out at this point. You know yeah. why? Why? Why take the risk? You know, although admittedly, I was one of the first ones back at the gym when it opened. Oh. <laughs> Day one, I was back in there. You know, but that goes back to me 
hating the way I look. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Once you your physique, so I understand. I think you should be gentle with yourself. Oh, uh, especially you're married. You know, if you have any health issues, I have high blood pressure. I went back up when I got fatter over COVID because I gained weight over COVID because I got vertigo. And when I got vertigo, I couldn't train because I was running. I was still working out during the pandemic. I was still going out there and getting the miles until the rocks in my head got loose and the vertigo came in. Now everything starts spinning. I couldn't do anything. Wow, that's different. And, you know, I'm sure you understand how that works, right? Um, You can't train. You feel like crap. You feel like crap. What do you turn to for comfort? Food. <laughs> I think know? my dad struggled. Well, he he just came in with that diagnosis of vertigo, but I really didn't fully understand it. You know, um, over the whole pandemic, yeah, so many people have been coming down with different sicknesses and stuff. So yeah, vertigo sucks. It's 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 like like the only way I could explain it is if you got up right now and you spun in circles really, really, really fast for a long time, then stop. That feeling is with you all the time. That's vertical. So everything's always spinning. Yeah. Constantly moving. Every movement you make, you you're like, you know, it's just the it was the weirdest thing and and very, very unpleasant. I thought I was having a stroke. You know, like you know, like I went to the ER that night and uh I told them like every everything is is, you know, like I couldn't stand. They're like, yo, that you know, you ate drugs? I'm like, no, I didn't do no drugs. I was reading a comic, man. You know, I was sitting, I was sitting in bed reading a comic. All of a sudden, I felt everything just go like and start spinning on me. And that's where it took me like uh, six months where I felt normal. Now, every once in a while, certain movements, I'll feel a little dizziness, but it passes. It's not constant like it was. So hope it goes away from him because that is just not fun. You is know? this some medication that they put you on for the help? The medication made me even worse. Because in addition to being dizzy now, I felt high and numb, you know? So it just made the whole experience like, you know, you're, you're now a zombie was dizzy, whereas before I was just dizzy. But at least I had my focus, you know? So I stopped taking the, the I forget the name of it, Meclizinone, I think it's called. It, it's supposed to be like for seasickness and stuff, but it, it makes you like, you're like. Ah, Janelle, you so, so I was like that. And dizzy, whereas at least the other times I was like dizzy, but at least I was, yeah, I, I, that, that was un, very unpleasant. Is it hereditary? Is it something in your family? Um, it could be, it could, it could sometimes be just, you know, there's these little crystals that are inside our ear that control our perception of gravity and movement. And if any of those gets out of there, it goes into this liquid sack and that liquid is what tells your body you're up you're down now you got this thing in there moving so your body's thinking it's up it's down it's left it's right you know because of those little crystals sometimes they dissolve and kind of go away sometimes they go back in where they belong um like i don't know what happened with me um one day i was just okay <laughs> you know like i laid down and i was like huh because it went from spinning all the time to spinning only when I laid down. So like, I knew, okay, I'm going to lay down. Everything's going to spin. I was fine. I knew it. So I laid down and I'm like, just wait. It stops. I'm cool. You know? And one day I just laid down and all of a sudden 
I was like, mm. oh. woo woo, <laughs> like I'm good. And it was just gone. You know, none of the treatment they did help. Nothing, nothing helped. It just went away on its own. Yeah. Were you stressed at the time, or you were just normal? No, I was. I was chilling. I was reading a comic book. I, I was having a grand old time with my comics. <laughs> I was. In, I was laying in bed, just chilling. You know, no, no agitation, nothing. I was just, you know, and all of a sudden there it was. But you know, something as we get old, it's just the little things that start happening. Like you can get out of bed and you broke your whole ankle, but you just you don't think you gotta be it. You know, you notice that like the older that you get, it's the little things. And I'm just like, wow, I didn't know. Like as I get older, I'm like, well, I was breathing just fine because you know, pollen is out there. We're out in the country, so pollen is everywhere. I don't know about up there, but you know. People can't hardly breathe, you know, it's different. But when we're younger, it really doesn't bother some of us. But now when we get older, you know, our eyes are puffy, you know, all different kinds of things. We can't breathe. We're constantly blowing our nose. It's nice, you know, but I'm grateful to witness a lot of God's miracles because a lot of people could have been dead and a lot of things you know, probably wouldn't have got better with some people, but a lot of people have different testimonies and, you know, it was good to hear about your whole experience. Um, I'm really not familiar with it. I've heard people talking about it, but they never described it to me that way. So I sort of kind of totally get it. I couldn't imagine waking up and not being able to focus on one thing or holding my head up and walking and I wouldn't be able to do it. I, I wouldn't. So that takes a lot of strength. Yeah, that was that was a definitely a tough experience. It was it's bizarre. It was the craziest thing. I was I was like, hell, if I knew this is gonna be where I end up, I will I would have done all that heroin when I was a kid. You know, have some fun back then, you know? <laughs> if if I knew I was gonna be I was gonna be paying the price now, I, I should have taken that acid, you know, like oh I don't know. <laughs> you know, I have I had one girl, she wanted me to do ecstasy with her. She's like, I'll hook up with you if you take the X. And I wanted her. Like, I like this girl, right? But I was like, no, I'm like, I don't take no damn X. You know, like, no. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, I didn't take the X. And, and uh, you know, now I'm like, well, so if if, if I was going to end up screwed up anyway, I might as well take in the X and, ha and have me a good time with that girl and, you know, be screwed up anyway. Right, right. <laughs> You know, I didn't take the X so that when I was in my forties, my head wouldn't be spinning when I'm reading a comic. Right. You know, if if I knew my head was gonna spin anyway, I'm just, I might as well take a damn X back then. <laughs> Don't do drugs, kids. I'm just kidding. It's a joke. <laughs> Don't do it. If, if if my head's spinning now, it might be even worse if I'd taken the X. So, right. you know, this is just a gradual progression of of life. Things break down just like anything else. Right. It's what it is. <laughs> you know, we try to do our best. You know, live our best life as best we can. So that's all there is to it, right? Yeah. Say that. <laughs> <laughs> I I think I went to I don't know if it was North or South Carolina once. I don't remember which one it was though. I was I was in the Air Force and 
I kind of feel like it might have been North. Um, because my my she was a senior master sergeant. We were driving down to Maryland. I think it was Maryland. I don't remember. It's been so long. We were driving to some Air Force base and she stopped by to visit her family and that was one of the stops. Mm -hmm. so she took us to, to one of the Carolinas. I don't recall. I, it might be the Air Force base here. Um, I think it's in Goldsboro or um, Eastern North Carolina. It's like a country farm. It's in a bunch of fields and stuff. Um, what is the name of that Air Force base? <sighs> Can't think of it, but it's probably North Carolina. We do have an Air Force base in Eastern Goldsboro, and I forgot the air. So you've so been long in the Air Force. I, hmm? You've been in the Air Force. Um, ninety-seven to two thousand five. Okay, what was that experience like? I I liked it. It it you know. It didn't do anything for me career-wise or uh, in terms of, uh, like, you know, progression or whatever, but it was a good growing experience as a person, you know. Um, it, 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 it taught me a lot about um, one, one of the things I learned that most was in boot camp was just acceptance. I am in this situation that I don't like. I'm not happy about this but there is nothing I can do about it. This is what it is. I cannot do anything about it, but simply see it through. In that case, the thing being boot camp, you know, um, understanding that if I simply, I don't want to use the word submit because it wasn't a submission per se, but it was simply understanding that I have to do these things that I hate and just accept that my life will be better. So at some point, something in my head just clicked and that lesson I carried through life. That simply understanding, okay, Angel, this sucks, but you know what? You got to get it done. So let's get it done, push through, and, and then move on with your life. That was basic training. That was what I gained out of there most than anything else was simply that. And once I accepted that, I enjoyed it. I didn't want to leave boot camp. I became a machine. I became a robot. I was so good at it. I became, I became the guy who marches everybody. You know, like they made me the guy who marches everybody. They made me the academic monitor. They made me the house mouse. These are all good jobs in boot camp, by the way. <laughs> you know, being the house mouse is a great honor, you know. So, you know, they I just excelled once I kind of accepted it. It's like I became, again, I don't want to use the word institutionalized, right? Because it's not prison, but I became the very best at what we were once I kind of accepted it. So that I bring to life. So there's times at work that I'm doing a task that I'm not enjoying. I'm very annoyed or whatever. And I simply just remember that that lesson just stays with me. You know what? I, I'm, I don't want to work with this person. I don't want to do this. Let's just get it done. Yeah. Ian. Let's get it done. The quicker you get it done, the quicker we we can move on from it. So I think um I think some military uh experience and background and just having a military period, I think it's quite necessary because you learn organization skills more so than anything. Some people call it control or, you know, 
be institutionalized. But, you know, I think it's it's needed for some people. Um, my dad, he was a Marine. So with me, the whole militant thing, um, getting everything together, staying on course, staying on track, you know, making sure that we clean. Let's do this thing in order. Everybody on one accord. Yeah, I don't like him or her, but let me just suck it up and let me get the job done because this is one. You know, we're here for a purpose. So I sort of kind of get everything that you're saying, although I've never served. The furthest that I've done would be ROTC in high school. And I think <laughs> I did two years. And for me to have to wrap my hair up and no nails, you could only wear like plain nails and you have to learn a different drills and you have to have your pants crease. It was sort of kind of interesting. And well, you know, boot, you can't shave your legs. You know, there's all kinds of, you know, so. There's a lot of psychological things going on that you're going to go through. If you're a person that um, enjoys certain things, just all that stuff being stripped away from you. You're like, I don't want to do this. You know, let me go find something else to do. But if you stay, <laughs> the longer that you stay and you keep on doing it in the routine, you start to get used to it. So, yeah, I think it's needed for some people. Yeah, I, I thrived in the environment. Once, I think the first two weeks I was resisting, right? And that was rough for me. Those first two weeks I was resisting and I didn't want, I wanted to get out. In fact, I told him, I will kill myself if you guys don't let me out, you know? So they sent me from the regular, you know, um, the regular flight, the regular unit to the mental health unit. Okay. Right? Where they're watching you so you don't kill yourself, Right. And then I was over there doing the same crap that I was doing in the regular one. So while I was over there, I said, you know, when am I going to get out of here? They're like, well, we're going to process you in maybe six to eight weeks. I'm like, six to eight weeks? The boot camp is six weeks long. And I'm already two weeks into it. I will be better served to just complete this thing and get the hell out. So I told them, yeah, send me back. And they're like, well, you said you're going to kill yourself. I'm like, oh, man, I'm not going to kill myself. Send me back. I just want to get the hell out of here. <laughs> you went back. I went, then I went back, oh. and, and, and they sent me back to my unit. And, uh, you know, at that point, because the, the clicking that I'm talking about happened in the mental health spot. Mm -hmm. That's when I realized, like, you know, I'm stuck here no matter what. I tried to get an easy way out, and it mm -hmm. turns out to be a longer path. Mm -hmm. And I'm still you doing the same thing. You think they did that on purpose? You know, I don't know because some of those guys were not allowed back. Oh, okay. Yeah, so I, 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 I honestly don't know if that was the intent or not. The strange. But it was the, it was the mental health spot where all the dudes were, some of them were legit, you know, like they were troubled dudes. I was just depressed and sad and shit, you know, like I was all bummed out and, you know, um, before I left for boot camp, um, my, me and my, my wife at the time had, we had a miscarriage. So we had lost a, a child. So I was very depressed. I wasn't, you know, so I was crying all the time and she, I was just in a bad place and, you know, they're asking, Hey, you okay? But when I told them, you know, I don't want to do this, man. I want to cut my wrist. You know, and that's when they sent me over there, you know? Mm -hmm. And then when I was over there and I'm just like, so can I go home yet? Yeah. <laughs> Like, no, you're not going anywhere. We're going to keep you here, you know, maybe another, another four, five, six weeks. And I was like, why don't you guys just send me back? Right. 
And then they asked me a bunch of questions. And, you know, um, when they sent me back at that point, I became like the model airman. I, I was, a, you know, I was a machine. Like I said, I, 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 I thrived in the environment. I, I felt weird when I came back home. You know, I felt out of place. I felt, you know, like I, I, I was just like, well, I don't want to be here. You know, I liked the structure, the control, you know, the, 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 the routines and everything. I, I thrived in that environment. Right. You know, so, you know, I, I did way better there <laughs> after that second, after those two weeks, you know, right. um, so, you know, but that, that lesson carries over to life. It should. Every day, I you know I'm aware of that. There's a lot of times I'm doing something and I really don't want to do it, or I just you know, and I'm just kind of like you know what, just get it done, and I get it done, and then I can carry on. Right, right. I agree. Little military experiences. It it would I think it would serve people well. I believe so too. I I have to agree. I don't know if I'd make it compulsory where you have to force people to do it all the time, but I, you know, I, I think it does for some people, it, it, it gives you some benefit. Some people it doesn't, you know, I know some guys in there who were, you know, there was one guy, he, he was in there to stay out of jail mm-hmm. and, um, he was in some program. I think he was from the Barbados. So they had an arrangement where if he would serve, he wouldn't have to serve his jail term or something. I don't recall the exact details, but I was tasked with making sure that guy could pass our Air Force qualification exam. Mm-hmm. And that dude was just a knucklehead. Like, you know, he was just the dude that, of all the people that I I kind of uh, coached and stuff in there for the exams, he's the only one who, who didn't pass it. So I, I got everybody to pass except one dude. <laughs> yeah. Well, you did your job. You did your yeah. job. I mean, well, they still gave me hell. The the drill instructors, you know, blame me. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. um, they still came after me. Like, how, you know, how dare you? Do I said, come on, guys, let's be real here. We're in like, we're in like week six here. I think you and I all know what is what is. All right. You know, I said, may I speak freely? They're like, yeah. I was like, that guy doesn't want to be here. Right. You know. And, and, and he's not applying himself. He's not doing anything to succeed. So do you even want him in the air force? And they kind of just looked at me like, you know, I said, you know, if, if, if avoiding prison isn't enough motivation for him to pass a stupid written exam, you know, that isn't even that difficult. Then I, I, Hey, what else can we do? Nothing. You know, what else can we do? The guy was given a, a get out, literally a get out of jail free card, mm. you know, and I was committed, you know, like I really focused on, I wanted him to succeed. He was a cool dude. I like him. He was a good guy, you know, um, but I, I, he, he just didn't try. So it wasn't Jim fault. I think he did what you had to do. And a lot of times. It's just like me when I'm working with people, you know, a lot of times everybody isn't going to come to the program and benefit from it. But those that want to succeed, they will. But if you don't put it in your head that you're going to succeed and change, I can't do nothing for you, you know. And when things don't happen and go as planned, we can't beat up on ourselves 
And I think that's what you do a lot of times. I think you beat up on yourself, especially with that weight, you know. So yeah. we win some and lose some, and that's just what it is. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, 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 I don't even remember his name. I can't, I can't even remember his name right now. I remember the story. I remember his essence and stuff. I can't remember his name. It's 97. You know, we're kids. But, you know, I, 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 I don't, I don't, uh, you know, like I don't lose sleep over it. It's on him. He's a grown man. You know, like you got to do what you got to do. You know? Right. So, yeah. Well, listen, I want to thank you for coming on the podcast and chatting with me. Is there um uh, a way you you know people can find you? Anything you you wanna let them know prior to closing? Um patricevon.com is my website. I'm on Instagram at Patrice underscore Siobhan and Facebook Patrice Sean Brown, pretty much if you'd like to find me. Awesome. Cool. Well, thank, thank you so much. Thank you so much for taking the time and good luck with everything going forward. Same to you. With the projects and everything. Cool. Good health, good wealth. Have a good day. <laughs> All right, take care. We'll be in touch. Take care now. Bye. You are listening to the NYC Talking Podcast. www.nyctalking.com Please like NYC Talking on Facebook. Please follow Angel R. Talk on Twitter and Instagram. We are NYC Talking, the realest lifestyle blog ever. Thanks for listening.